study for believers. You know, I thought we were going to finish the book. We're not. Um, there's always next week. The good thing is I'm not on a timeline. But I, but I did map out we should be in Revelation in like a month, hopefully, Lord willing. But then the rapture could happen and we'll actually be in the Revelation, all right? Hey, so let's stand and let's read from 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Incredible, incredible, incredible promise for you and me. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That would be in Jesus, in our relationship with Jesus. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. And Father, would you bring your word alive in our hearts, that it would really find that good soil in our hearts, that it would produce incredible fruit in our lives, and that you'd bless our time here. Lord, that you'd make it simple, but Lord, you'd make it powerful and life-changing to where we'd walk away from here changed in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. We all have various sorts of insurance. Some we have to buy, like driver's insurance. Others that we choose to buy, it's kind of one of those love-hate things. You hate to pay the premiums, but you love you had it if you got to use it. The strength of the insurance company, though, I hope you know this, is only as good as, as how well they're going to pay out benefits. Remember back during... Katrina and Rita, there were certain insurance companies that were having a hard time paying their claims. Because the strength of the insurance company is only as good as what you and I are going to receive. Well, if we roll that same thought into our relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ becomes the strength and the foundation of our relationship with God. He, he becomes the one that not only guarantees that he's going to pay the claims at the proper time when they're needed, he's also the one that pays all the premiums. But see, Jesus Christ is more than just an insurance policy to you and me. At least that's what the passage before us declares. Paul, in addressing the Corinthians, says this, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Jesus becomes the bedrock of our foundation in our relationship with God, but our Jesus is way more than any type of an insurance policy. It's, it is more than just having this solid base on which to be saved. And yet, sadly, though, many Christians go through life with just an insurance policy type of relationship with God. Oh, they've got their life insurance policy. They believe that if they die, they've believed on Jesus for salvation, and that's all they have. There's others that have their fire insurance policy that they believe they believed enough that on that day when that day comes, Jesus will rescue them from the fires of hell. But team, God has so much more in store for us than just the minimum coverage as we submit our lives to him. Certainly, salvation is the greatest. That's where we all started, where we turned to Jesus. He called us and we turned to him. Jesus coming back to reclaim his people and to 
build his kingdom on this earth is God's great promise that you and I are looking forward to. But while we await his return, God has given us so many incredible benefits that come with our coverage that once we're in Christ. And certainly verse 14 is one of those. Now this is, and this is present tense here. Now this is, so, so this should be continually going on through our lives. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. Because our foundation in everything that we do as a Christian is always in Jesus. So there's incredible privilege here. Confidence isn't what you and I would think of as we think of confidence. See, when I think of confidence, I think of trust, rely on, it's going to happen. But that's not what's going on here. In the New Testament, there are six different Greek words for our English word confidence. And they all have vastly different definitions. So the Greek word for confidence here, that is paraisia, it means outspokenness, frankness, bluntness, freedom of speech. So because of our intimate relationship with Jesus Christ when he saved us, we have this unbelievable, undeniable freedom of speaking to God. And that's what this word confidence means. It's because of what he's done. And it's just a simple statement of fact. That's that when you look at the verb tenses, it says it is just a simple statement of fact that you and I can take to the bank as God kind of puts a punctuation stamp on it. So the strength of our relationship with Jesus Christ is neither you or I. The strength of our relationship is Jesus himself. And through that, we have this extreme freedom to speak to Almighty God, the creator of the universe. I mean, think about that. You have the freedom as a believer in Jesus Christ to go to the creator of the universe. He's not some God that's far out there that does he hear or does he not hear? Oh no, he's there and he's personal. I to speak to him. Specifically, he wants you and I to ask. And we're gonna talk about that. Because in prayer today, there's a lot of telling, there's a lot of informing, but there's very little asking. God says, ask. Now, honestly, if we could grasp this concept that God wants us to, to come to him, the God Almighty, the creator of the universe, there'd be brains all over this, this little room here. You know, Christina would have to get her CSI stuff and come in here and, and kind of figure out who, who belongs to who. Because if we could grasp this freedom to ask that God is presenting before us, if we could fully understand that he's speaking, the creator speaking to you and I, that this is the Lord of our lives, we can come to him and we can ask, believing he's going to answer. Our minds would be blowing. They really would be. And that's what God wants to do here. He wants to change us in how we view prayer. He wants to change us in how we ask. He wants us to pray effectively and fervently. Now in this openness and this freedom to speak that we have, the key word is in him. You have to be in him. It's critical. In him is so important, team. See, I can know all about Jesus, but not be in him. I can pray to Jesus, but not be in him. I can go to church and sing songs about Jesus, but not be in him. I can be a member of Calvary Chapel. Actually, you can't because we don't have membership. But just for the sake of argument, I can be a member of Calvary Chapel and not be in him. I can even go forward and pray a prayer and not be in him. And certainly the church today is filled with all kinds of people like that. 
because the, world's, the church is no longer impacting the world. The world is impacting the church. But then Jesus said the wheat and the tares would always grow together, and at the harvest, he would separate. See, in him it happens when he convicts me of my sin and he calls me and I respond to that voice and I turn to him as the Lord over my life. My life is no longer my own. I've been bought at a price. Jesus now dwells in me. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, being in Christ is like being into Christ, receiving all that he has for me. And using it for his glory. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. See, everything revolves around being in Christ. When we turn to and said yes to Jesus, he not only came into our lives, but we became a part of his. John chapter 1, verse 12, that as many as received him, to them God gave the right to be called children of God, to as many as believed on his name. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, think about this, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus removed all obstacles to God when he took away all of our sin. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And again, the key word is, therefore, if anyone anyone is in Christ. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, this boldness of speaking. Because Jesus himself makes a way that if we ask anything, according to his will. And this is where it becomes tricky in two ways. First off, you have to ask. And then it's, you you get to ask anything. And secondly, you have to ask according to his will. The first one is simple. At least it should be, you have to ask. And you go, well, duh, that's like, pastor, that is like so simple. Really? Have you listened to your prayer life lately? See, I have to constantly be listening to my prayer life because so often it can become telling God and informing God and I never get around to asking God. So much prayer fails today because it never asks Jesus anything. You might be a little surprised by how much you tell and inform and how little you ask until you stop and actually listen to yourself. Doesn't mean we can't inform God. David does in his Psalms. He tells God things. But so often, it might go like this. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my day is so hard, and, and I got to get up, and I'm, oh, Lord, I'm tired, and, and oh, Lord, the car won't start. God, oh, God, what are you going to do about the car? And, 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 and I got to drive it to work. Oh, God, these people at work, they drive me crazy. And, and uh, oh, but Lord, I know you want me to do something here. And, and uh, oh, my husband or my wife, oh, God, they just are driving me up the wall. And, and God, you got to, uh, oh, the neighbor. Oh, please, God, the neighbor, you know, the, this neighbor here, he lets his dog poop in my yard, and oh, yeah, yeah. And then the brother in the church, oh, man, they're driving me nuts, Lord. Oh, and the kids, all they do is ask. We've all been there. 
A lot of telling and informing, very little asking. That's why I send out ask requests. If you're on the pastor's email, it says, usually it says ask request. Thad goes, why do you have that? I go, because I want to remind people to ask and not tell. God wants us to ask. He wants us to continually be asking machines that he might answer. You know, Jesus is giving those who are in Christ open invites all the way through the Bible to be asking. So as a child team, we want to ask. And that would be as a young child, because that's really all they know how to do is ask. Now, when you ask, look what it says. It says, ask anything. So he, he wants us to ask anything and everything. Numerous places in the New Testament we are instructed to be asking all the time. Pray without ceasing. Watch and pray always. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Praying always. Continuing earnestly in prayer. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. So being in Jesus, it's all privileged to ask him for anything and everything. So asking is critical, but according to his will is mandatory. And this is where it might break down for some. He hears this, and when it's according to his will, he acts upon it. Like every time, every time. Well, he doesn't in my life. No, that's because you haven't seen it yet. His promise to you and I is he's going to act. He's going to answer. Some in Christianity today have made prayer kind of a self thing instead of a, instead of a God thing. It doesn't have to be tricky, though. I think this should kind of be the easy part of knowing God's will, that if we present tense continually ask Jesus anything according to his will, Jesus' present tense continually hears us. He always hears us. So what is his will? Well, first off, his will is found in his word. That's why we teach through all of it, and that's why we encourage you to be reading it at home. So if you know his will, you can pray according to his will, and God is on record here that he's going to answer. He has to. Kind of hard to know the will of God if I don't know his word. But when I know his word, then I can ask. Or at the very least, I can check my thoughts to see if it matches God's word. So that way when I ask, I can ask in confidence, knowing that Jesus hears, knowing that Jesus will answer. Well, how else can I know the will of God? Great question. Asking God to change us and become more like him, that's the will of God. It's certainly according to his word, and we know if it's his word, it's his will. The apostle Paul says this, imitate me just as I imitate Jesus. It's a good prayer. Lord, change me today to be more like Jesus. That would certainly cause you to know his will as God is changing you and I to become more like Jesus. When we climb up on that altar every morning and say, Lord, here I am, a, a living sacrifice. Lord, just burn it up, cut it off. And then he says, that's just a reasonable act of service. I mean, that's all part of knowing God's will, of, of surrendering my life to him. When you and I are facing tough places or choices in life, Jesus becomes our best example to look at to discern God's will for our lives. Remember, he's in the garden just before he's arrested and he's praying. He's not looking for a way out. He's looking for God's will to be done when he said, not my will, but thy will be done. 
There's those that's in a segment of the church that if you, if you pray that, God, I want your will and not my will be done, it's a lack of faith. No, they're, fo- they're foolish when they say that. Because that's how Jesus prayed. And this is what the passage says before us right here this morning. As I lay aside all that's in my life and seek him, and as I say like Jesus said in the garden, Lord, not my will today. Lord, I want your will to be done. That's asking. And it's according to God's will. And so I pray, looking to and looking for an answer. We read in Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And this is kind of a tricky thing. See, as you spend time with Jesus and fellowship and worshiping and listening, as you spend time just reading his word and getting stoked on the things of God, not only does he change you, he places his heart in your heart. That's why people that don't want to know God, they pull away because when you draw near to God, he says he's going to draw near you. And he places his heart in your heart. He places his will in your will. So as you delight yourself in the Lord, all of a sudden you're praying what he's placed in there and he gives you the desires of, his, of, of your heart because he's placed those desires and you start praying for desires, and, but those were actually his desires. And then God answers Desire and purpose for the Christian must flow from our, our relationship with Jesus. And when it happens, it's, it's beautiful. When I, when I live my life not with a do this, don't do this attitude, but w- when I live my life with th- what is pleasing to the Lord, what is pleasing to my master, everything just flows out of that. And I walk with this closeness in my relationship with Jesus truly desiring his will for my life. And then I have great confidence that if I ask anything according to his will, he hears this. And that is, he always hears this. Now we can know all of this before we get any further. At least I hope we all know this. Jesus isn't a genie in a bottle that you rub and expect him just to pop up. Certainly Jesus can deliver us from any need or storm in our lives. But what I've found in my life, sometimes he wants to deliver me through the need. He wants to take me on this journey or he wants to deliver me through the storm. And because Jesus is our guarantee, Jesus is the foundation on which we have permission to ask or approach God, he comes through because he brings me through and he brings us through. But, and this is really important, it's always according to his time and not my time. And I think this is where it breaks down for believers today. They quit praying. No, don't quit until he answers or says no. So you and I, we have to persevere sometimes. In my life, Jesus has answered prayers before I got done, and there's others that he hasn't answered since 1983. Well, how's it work that way? I don't know. But I know when he speaks something to me, He wants me to keep praying. I mean, there's things that I pray, namely my unsaved family, my wife's unsaved family, that we've been praying, that I've been praying since December of 1983. With with no let up. Why? Because Jesus pushed that upon my heart to pray for him. And and, and, and when when you step back, you go, yeah, but he hasn't answered. Oh no, there's been tremendous movement on God's part, 
as he kind of moves the chess pieces around on his board of life because he's moving them towards checkmate to where they have to respond. But until they're saved, we need to keep on believing. We need to keep on asking. I shared this when I came back after Christmas that my brother has been working at Calvary Chapel Spokane for the last nine years. Oh, didn't you know that? No, I had no idea. You never told me. Because, see, God's been working on him. See, as we pray, God works. A lot of times, we just don't see it. And so the devil says, hey, look, your your prayers are being wasted anyway. You might as well just give up. And we give up. But don't give up until they're answered. We need to keep on believing and keep on asking. That's why all of verse 14 and 15, it's in the present tense. Because Jesus wants you and I to keep on asking. The longest running prayer, and you may have a longer one, but the longest running prayer in my life that Jesus answered, that when I met my wife, she started praying for, and then when our kids were born, they prayed for every single day, was the salvation of my dad 30 years after praying. Every day, nonstop, 30 years. It'll be more from my mom. It'll be more from my brothers. But I'm still believing God's going to save them. Why? Because he told me not to look back and put my hand to the plow and not look back, and he'll take care of them. Okay, so we moved to Santa Barbara. Then we moved to Texas, farther away from home. Team, don't give up till Jesus says no. If you know because Jesus showed you or spoke to you to start praying for something or someone, then stand on what he spoke to you and pray. And don't give up. Jesus tells this parable about continuing to ask for something and not giving up out of Luke chapter 18. So let's make a quick detour right there to Luke chapter 18. Remember, parables only have one main point. They only have one reason why it's there. And you know, the great thing about Luke 18 is Jesus tells us what the meaning of the parable is at the beginning and the ending. So, you know, it's not too hard to figure out. Luke 18, verse 1, Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Well, I mean, this is like the epitome of an open book test. Those are really the only ones I ever passed in school. But not only do we get to use our book, Jesus gives us the answer here. And as he speaks this parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There were in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. The parable's over. Then the Lord said, he's speaking to his disciples, he's speaking to you and me. Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own? That's that's you and me who are in Christ. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? He waits at times. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Yeah, that's in his timeline. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Will he really find people continually to believe him, to keep on praying, to keep on asking? There are times when we pray for things according to his will that 
Honestly, we just don't see the answer. But we have to believe that God is working and moving behind the scenes when we pray, team. You know, he lays those things on our hearts for a reason. I don't know, maybe it's people. For me, it's, the, it's high school kids, junior high, high school kids. It's been there ever since I got saved. It's never went away. I want to see God do a whole new Jesus movement thing through junior high and high school kids. And so it never goes away. We never give up. And we don't quit till he gives us an answer. Now, there are times when people expect God to answer their prayer, and they're disappointed when they don't. And so often it's because their prayers are a little self-centered. James addresses that. He says, you do not receive because you do not ask. And when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. See, prayer should never be about me. Prayer becomes a privilege of seeing God's will done on this earth, not mine. You know, prayer is not something God instituted so you can get your purposes done on this earth. No, it's prayer is so God could get his purposes and his will accomplished on this earth. And for me, I want this standing agreement with my Lord that if I ask anything according to my will, he tells me to be quiet or ignores me. No matter how much I whine or want to quit, I want my Heavenly Father not to answer that ever. I mean, Jesus prayed that thing three times. Not my will, but thy will be done. Three different times. Jesus puts the exclamation point on seeking the will of his Father and not his own will. Prayer is always ours so we can pray in accordance to the will of God and see God's things accomplished on this earth. And this is where it gets all broken down. Well, God didn't answer my prayer. Yeah, maybe it was selfish. So I'm out. I tried God. I've heard this before. I heard it actually within the first year being saved. No, I tried Jesus. He didn't work. What? He, you know, years later, he got saved. He was one of my friends I went to school with. But I've heard that here. Well, I tried. You don't try. You die and let God do. You know, prayer's not some secret formula that we have to try and figure out. Always, the thrust of prayer is seeing God's plan and God's will done on this earth. Well, then what about healings? I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. I don't know why God sometimes chooses to heal and sometimes he doesn't, other than it's not his will. It has nothing to do with the faith of the person. That's ridiculous. People lead people astray with that. Yes, we have to believe, but it's, well, you didn't have enough faith. I don't don't believe that. 20 years, I asked Jesus to touch my back. I'm missing two discs. They're non-existent. They're just not there in an MRI. 20 years later, he heals me. Why didn't he heal me on the first year? I don't know. Why did he have to wait 20? I don't know. After the brain surgery, you know, how come he healed me? I didn't have to take the cortisol when the medical doctor said, you're going to be on that the rest of your life. I have no idea. The tumor that's still wrapped around my carotid artery that they couldn't get out because it would cause a stroke. Is it growing? I have no idea. I'll find out in August. But I'll tell you what, I'm asking, and there's many of you that are, and I thank you for that, that God would shrink it or remove it. But is God, what's God doing? I don't know. I get to find out his will when I get another MRI. But whatever it is, it's his will, not mine. 
But why does he, how does he, I don't know why. But I know it's not a formula. I know it's kind of because of sin in my life. I know it's not because I'm stupid or because I kicked the dog. Well, we actually never had a dog. Well, no, we had Christina's dog. <laughs> but I never kicked that dog. But I don't know why. You know, Paul, who wrote half the books of the New Testament, he had something going on in his life. And he pleaded with the Lord three times. Three different times. Why only three? Because Jesus answered him. Could it have been 300? Yeah, it could have been 3,000. But he pleaded with the Lord that this thing would be taken away from him, and Jesus said, no, I'm not going to do it. Wow. Doesn't he know the formulas of healing prayers? No, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. I'm not going to heal you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness, that you, my, your weaknesses might bring about my glory. And so what does crazy Paul do? Well, I'm going to rejoice in my infirmities that the power of God may rest upon me for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Certainly Paul was an incredible man of prayer and faith. You read through the epistles, I'm, I pray for you always, I'm praying for you always, pray always. But Jesus chose not to heal him. On a, on a separate occasion, G, Paul is traveling and one of his companions gets sick and Paul had to leave him behind. Why? Because Paul didn't know the formula? No. Like I said, I don't know why some are healed and some are not. And neither did the Apostle Paul. Other than it's God's will and not ours. Verse 15, and if we know, perfect tense. Verse 14, it's all present tense. V verse 15, this word know, Perfect tense. Let me read to you what the perfect tense is. The perfect tense describes an action which is viewed as having been completed in the past, once and for all, not needing to be repeated. So when I ask for, for my family to be safe, and I name them by name, well, I know that I know that I know that I know that God's going to heal them and save them. And do whatever he has to take to get him into the kingdom. Jesus said, better to go through life lame to mutilate and get into heaven and then enter into hell whole. So it's like, Lord, whatever you got to do to get him in. And I know that I know because he's told me. He's going to save him. You know the odds of somebody getting saved at age 80 is like point zero zero something? It's like next to nothing. Yeah, not to our God. Nevertheless, will he find faith on this earth? Corbin's mom, she was not looking real good when we went in there. When, what day was that? Is she out? She was, hey, when both your kidneys are failing, you have a perforated bowel and you've been that way for three days and your blood is septic, it's poison. Hey, why, why does Jesus work? I don't know. But I know we need to ask. And we need to keep on asking. And if we know, like we know that he hears us. And I hope you know that. I, I hope you are so convinced of that, that he hears you when you ask. Because you're in him. I'd imagine there's a lot of people who pray who are not in him. Yeah, I'd like to thank God for my award. <laughs> yeah, well, your life don't match, God. 
we should be convinced that he hears us. You and I, we have this instant messaging with God. And he's not just God. No, he's the creator of the universe 24-7 because of our relationship with Jesus. And you and I, we can go to him a billion times a day. Are you exaggerating? Nope. A billion times. Jesus said to his disciples just before he's arrested, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. You see, because you and I love Jesus, and in context it was being chosen in Christ as we abide in Christ, Jesus says in John 16, because you love me, you don't have to ask me. You can go right to my Father because of that relationship that we have. And you can ask and that you will receive that your joy may be full. That's all promise. I hope we all believe that. You know, there, God gives us this unlimited debit card that will never run dry. And Jesus is saying, ask. Ask away. John is saying, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask. Paul tells the believers in Ephesus, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ. To all generations. That's us. Forever and ever. See, God wants to do beyond whatever we hope or ask. But you got to ask. It's all promise. Whatever we ask, we perfect tense. It's a done deal. We know. We know that we know that we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. I hope you can hear the confidence of this old man, John the Apostle, as he's writing this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Please understand this. John is not writing to super saints. He's not writing to his fellow apostles. They're dead. He's writing to saints like you and, my, you and me, sinners saved by grace. That's who he's writing to. And he's reminding them that whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So why is he reminding these saints this great truth? My answer, because of the words of Jesus of ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. My second answer is because you and I need to be reminded often because we forget. Because the world crushes in and gets us sidelined and gets us distracted. And that's the whole point of reading the Bible and Bible study. Is God reminds us of his incredible promises to us. The reason why I know this is here to remind us is how many times have you asked this morning? God gives you this incredible channel to go right to him, the creator of the universe. How many times have you asked this morning? It's almost 11 o'clock. How many times have you sent an instant message right into the very throne room of God today? You don't have to answer. 
100 times, 50, 10, at least once? I would hope that every time we approach Bible study, my own personal prayer would be, Lord, I want to hear what you have for me. Keep me awake and keep me alert. Because I want to hear. Lord, I want to receive. The, the open invite is to, is to ask. You know, 7.30 every Sunday morning, we're in here. Young people are in here. Old people are in here. And we're in here, we're in here asking. Begging God to move. Tuesday morning at our house at 9 o'clock, there's a few of us, and we're asking. Wednesday morning, 6.30, or Wednesday night, uh, 6.30 at the forum. I very rarely ever get there because I'm still grinding out my Bible study. But the opportunity is to be there at 6.30 and to be asking. Saturday morning, 8.30, men's fellowship. We're there, and we are asking, pleading with God for the church. For you, 10.30, the ladies get together and they pray. And then we're back at Sunday again. The opportunities are there, not only corporately, but then, as the Bible says, pray without ceasing. I, I don't know if I'll ever get there, but I'd love to get there. It's God's word to us. I can tell you this, as I worked this through and thought it through all week, I've been asking more this last week than I had the week before. And the great, great heart and the great hope is, is that you'll answer, or you'll ask more this coming week than you did last week as well. And it'll carry with you. You know, because it'll, it'll be another 12, 14 years before we come back to this passage. There's others like it, so we'll get reminded again, but... It won't happen for a while till we get back into the epistles. That, that's like eight, nine years from now. So as you read through your Bible, you're going to be, oh, wait, I get this incredible blank check I can ask. Yeah, you got to ask. And you got to be in the Word of God. So he reminds you of the will of God. And, and they're reminded, oh, wait, I remember that. We could ask for anything and everything according to his will. Father, we're thankful, God, for all that you want to do in our lives. And Lord, as we just 